What's up, guys? Back at it again. Another break card podcast. This week, we had the NASCAR Xfinity Cup and ARCA Series out in Phoenix, um, which is the site of the season finale in November. So it's a bit of a preview to what we can expect, you know, when we get back there months from now. What is that? 11, 3, 8 months from now? So... We'll see. We'll see if it uh, if it carries over to what we saw today. If it carries over till November, because last year it did to an extent with Chase Elliott finishing second last year in the spring race, winning the fall race. Joey Logano uh, winning the race, coming up short, finishing I believe third um, in the fall last year. And Brad Keselowski ran really well last year in the spring and ran really well in the fall. So it seems to carry over. Uh, obviously, the championship teams always seem to run better, coincidentally, than everybody else. But I'm not here to talk about conspiracies tonight. So, we had the ARCA race on Friday night. Ty Gibbs took home the checkered flag because he's in a full Gibbs outfit in the ARCA series. And he should be taking home checkered flags. Um, so, congrats to him for beating everybody else when his budget's so much bigger than everyone else. But we'll talk ARCA in a minute. Um, we had the Xfinity series on Saturday, 5.30 East Coast t- start time, which is just absurd. It was more like a 5.40 start time. Uh, so we had that. Austin Sendrick comes home a winner. Back-to-back wins at Phoenix Forum. Obviously, he won the fall race there last year and the championship. And then the cup race today, we had Martin Truex Jr. kind of come, not from nowhere, but rebounded. And uh, definitely got his car fixed up to the point where they were contenders there at the end. And obviously won the race. Logano ran really well. Keselowski ran really well. And the Hendrick cars were strong again. But it was just Hamlin, Truex, Logano, and Keselowski definitely were the class of the field today. Kyle Larson looked like he was about to be um, a, a contender, a real contender there. Started the back. Drove to the front. Speeding penalty. Had to go to the back. Drove to the front. Pitted, speeding penalty. Had to go to the back. Under green, had to go to the back. And uh, got back up to the front. He had a ridiculous 145 green flag passes today. Um, And that was only one behind Alex Bowman, who led the day with 146 green flag passes. Because Alex Bowman still comes home 13th after spinning, hitting the wall, being stuck against the wall for a hot minute, bringing out a caution. Rebounds with a wrecked race car. Comes home 13th. Ran top 10. Um at one point too so he uh could have been there could have been there not top 10 i take it back because he made it up to 11th before settling for 13th so almost there almost the top 10 with a with a wrecked race car his pass differential was plus 36 second best on the day to larson's plus 37 because like i said he had to go to the back to the front to the back to the front to the back to the front and then finally came home um seventh for larson there obviously probably not the finish that he would have wanted considering he at the beginning of the race, in stage one and stage two, definitely looked like he had a car that can contend with with Joey Logano. Logano led a race high 143 of 312 laps. Truex led 64. Dane Hamill led 33 back. Kozlowski 19. And Ryan Blaney led 35. Uh, Blaney looked competitive um, early, but then sort of faded and came home 10th. So he got a stage win. He won stage one. And then uh, finished fifth in stage two, and then comes home tenth. So, not the race direction that those guys obviously would want to go in, but nice that he got a top ten nonetheless. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. winner, uh, first win of the year, first win since Martinsville last year when NASCAR came back, uh, basically from quarantine. Uh, 
won that Martinsville fall or night race, not fall race, night race. Uh, we head to Martinsville in a couple weeks for another night race. Uh, so that should be pretty good. And also like for that 19 team, they got to feel pretty good about heading back to Martinsville and, and the rest of these 750 package races. I, you got to think that Richmond's going to be a race that they're looking to win uh, or feeling good that they can win at least and Martinsville as well. So Whatever they're doing, they've got it figured out. Last year, the Penske cars, specifically the 22 and the 2, were really good on the 750 package tracks. Once again, doesn't seem like uh, they've stumbled at all. Logano, of course, led the race high number of laps. Comes home second, and Kozlowski comes home fourth. Uh, they look like they they are going to be the contenders once again on the 750 package tracks. Chase Elliott looked really strong early after, after the competition caution. He... It seemed like he was struggling because he only made it up to about 22nd before the competition caution, which was lap 30. And then he just looked like he was having a harder time getting through the traffic than Kyle Larson and William Byron were. After that competition caution, though, Chase Elliott got turned on, and he was driving to the front. He he had a really good turning car. He could turn down in the center of the corner and power, power off, which was how he won this race last year, which is having drive off the corner way better than anyone else. His mechanical grip... Last year was phenomenal. This year, early on the race, it was it was pretty good. And then it kind of faded. And then he found his way back up towards the front here at the end. Comes home with the top five and fifth. Denny Hamlin came home third. Don't want to overlook him uh, in his Miami Dolphins offer pad. Number 11, uh, Camry. First time we've seen somebody other than FedEx on that car in a long time. Um, well, I shouldn't say a long time. But, like, if we're so used to seeing FedEx to see a different sponsor on there. Um, was certainly uh, different, different, not bad, just different. It's good to see OfferPad and other sponsors wanting to get into the series. Uh, never, never a bad thing. Kevin Harvick, the king of Phoenix, came home six, zero laps led once again. Second race in a row, I believe that he has not led a lap at Phoenix. Uh, definitely the best of the SHR cars once again. They still look like they're a bit out to lunch, but whatever. They will eventually find it. If... If Harvick runs bad next week at Atlanta, then we have bigger. Then they have concerns. Then we can all start talking if SHR is really just out to lunch this year because Harvick at Atlanta is always, always good. So let's just see by track. Give me the track. Get the data. Give me the data. For Atlanta, he has his last three races at Atlanta, 20... I mean, shit, we'll go back to 2015. Second, 2016, sixth, 2017, ninth, 2018, first, 2019, fourth, 2020, first. Kevin Harvick wins at Atlanta. Every single time, he wins at Atlanta. This is ridiculous. 2014, 195 laps led. 2015, 116. 2016, 131. 2017, 292. It's a 325 lap race. He led 292 of them. 2018, 181, 2019, 45, 2020, 151. Kevin Harvick leads laps at Atlanta. If they're bad this year at Atlanta, oh boy. And there's two Atlantas this year. That's like falling right in Kevin Harvick's lap. But if they're bad next week, then we can start saying, oh, SHR might be out to lunch. Harvick comes home six, like I said today. Larson seventh. William Byron back to the front uh, after failing tech twice, like Larson. Finishes eighth, another top 10 for Willie B. Christopher Bell comes home 9th, and Ryan Blaney rounds out your top 10. Eric Almarola started 32nd, comes home 11th, and his pit boss grills, number 10. 
car. Ricky Stenhouse, another great run for him in that JTG team, uh, finishing 12th. And Alex Bowman with a wrecked race car comes on 13th. Matt Benedetto 14th. He, uh, I mean, it's good for those guys to rebound and not wreck and just sort of slowly accure points because they definitely need it um, this season. Kurt Busch, who weirdly almost had a bit of a flashback to old Kurt Busch on the radio today. I don't know what's going on there, but he was very frustrated and very snippy on the radio. Wasn't screaming like, fuck, or anything like that that we've been accustomed to hearing Kurt say over the radio in years past, but he was definitely more hot than normal. Bubba Wallace came home 16th, had a really good run going. He had a fast race car in stage three, drove all the way up to, I believe, seventh or sixth at one point, restarted in the lead on the final restart. I believe it was the final restart that he he was in the lead, and uh, buddy, did it just not work out for him. Uh, 266 seven where was that restart at okay so yeah he restarted on the second to last restart on the front row and i don't know why mike wheeler left him out there when everybody else pitted like they literally could have pitted and the probably the worst he would have came out because he was having difficulties in the pits worst he probably would have came out would have been somewhere maybe like 10th he comes home 16th on old tires just having to struggle to get home and like it doesn't make any sense when everybody else on the same strategy just pit with them don't don't put yourself at a disadvantage when you can put yourself right on equal playing field with everyone else. It doesn't did not make any sense. Really, really poor call by by Mike Wheeler. And um, yeah, if I was Bubba, I'd be questioning that call for sure. It just doesn't make any sense uh, for him or for the team uh, to do that. Eric Jones comes home twentieth for that forty three car. Uh, Richard Petty Motorsports. That's a solid run for those guys, and uh, definitely. Definitely need it for them. And Daniel Suarez in that track house car comes on 21st. Chase Briscoe, 22nd, continues to just be mediocre, unfortunately, in the uh, in the 14 to start the season. Where the hell is Cole Custer at? 31st! Four laps down. What the hell happened to him? Oh, no, I take it back. I remember Cole Custer hit the wall. I saw that. Left debris all over the racetrack late in, sta- late in the race, and NASCAR kept saying there's no debris on the track. And Kyle Busch, like, the backstretch is littered with trash or with debris. And Kyle Busch wasn't even in contention to win. So for him to say that, he was just trying to look out for everybody. He came home 25th after he also cut a tire down. Uh, Ryan Priest, 26. Need those guys to start running better. And um, yeah, oh, I guess maybe the most interesting situation of the day Cody Ware. Just straight dive-bombed Anthony Alfredo. Took them both out of the race. Just a really, really poor uh, use of judgment by Cody Ware there. Uh, I, You know, I'm not a big Cody Ware guy. Obviously blocked on Twitter, as we talked about on this podcast before. He's a guy that has struggled with mental health. And, like, I'm not here to belittle mental health at all. Because it's a very real um, disease and sickness and everything that you have to deal with that. But... Cody Ware wants us to know that he's just a race car driver at this point while he brings up his mental health issues. And then you see him make a move like that. And it's like, dude, what are, what are you thinking? You're putting Alfredo at risk. You're putting yourself at risk. Like, just bodying the wall. It, it was a pretty heavy impact for both of them. Uh, took Alfredo out of the race. Cody was able to continue on for another, like, 14 laps, it appears. And then he retired the 51 car. Just... Poor, poor judgment, once again, from Cody Ware. And, 
he seemed to show no remorse over the radio. He was just like, yeah, I got tangled up with a lap car. Bro, you fucking dove with this lap car and just drove him straight into the fence. Like, it wasn't even a question of what was gonna, what your intention was there. I didn't even mention that he had... If anything else, he should have just been like, oh, you know, brakes faded on me and I just got into him. Instead, he was just like, yeah, I got into a lap car. Uh, what? Like, that makes no sense whatsoever to sort of just admit it like that in a pretty blatant way. And this guy wants to go drive... He wants to go drive... IndyCar this year, and that just doesn't make any sense if you're if you're doing things like this. So, I don't know. Hopefully, he figures it out and understands that that is something you cannot do. Just driving into a corner on somebody like that uh, and and just taking them into the wall hard. So, overall, pretty decent race. What do we have? Three thousand two hundred twenty-eight green flag passes. That's a pretty good number of passes um, for for Phoenix. Low downforce. High horsepower, once again, definitely makes it entertaining. Time of the race, three hours flat. Three hours and 20 seconds. That's solid. That's about what it should be every weekend. Margin of victory, 1.69 seconds for Truex. Um, yeah, overall, decent race. Uh, not Maybe not the best Phoenix race you'll ever see, but is what it is. Uh, let's look at the points here real quick. Denny Hamlin continues to be your points leader. We have Truex, Larson, Bell, Byron, and McDowell locked into the playoffs already. Our current playoff standings outside of those five consist of Hamlin, Kozlowski, Logano, Chase Elliott, Kevin Hart, Kurt Busch, Austin Dillon, Ryan Blaney, Ryan Priest still in there, Kyle Busch in 15th, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in 16th. Uh, Alex Bowman on the outside looking in by three points. Chris Busch on the outside looking in by four points. And Bubba Wallace outside looking in by 13 points. No, 16 points, my bad. Yeah, um, obviously I think we all assume that Priest, who is not even committed to running a full season yet, JTG isn't for that 37 car. Um, we'll see if they can find the money to run a full season. If not, obviously he's going to drop out. And Stenhouse is also on the ver- on the border, I think, of potentially not making it. And then the rest is, I think that's kind of who we expect to be in there. Austin Dillon, maybe you could make a case for falling out of the... Uh, out of the top 16, but you know, Bowman's gonna have to. Bowman can probably point his way in uh, as the season goes on. Bubba Wallace also can probably point his way in. Everybody else is probably gonna have to win if you're on the outside right now looking in. And that goes for Stenhouse too. I know he's in the playoffs right now, but it's probably gonna take a win for him to to get in. So uh, I would love to see Ricky Stenhouse win in that 47 car, um, but you know, we'll see if that happens. Overall, though, like I said. Super solid race. Um, excited to move on to Atlanta now. And then uh, obviously the Bristol Dirt races after that. You wouldn't know Atlanta was happening next week if you watched the broadcast this week or last week or even the week before because Fox has just sort of ignored the fact that Atlanta is this upcoming weekend and that Bristol Dirt is coming up. Like, we're, we're aware Bristol Dirt's coming. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be absolute chaos. And Zach and I talk all the time about embracing the chaos. If you have any, if you have any sort of thoughts and feelings that this is going to be a success and that this is going to be something that you know goes off without a hitch, you are wrong. I can just tell you that right now. Like it is going to be a, it's going to be chaotic and it's going to be a cluster. And I'm here for all of that because anytime NASCAR does something. And it's and it's new and it's something they don't understand. 
it's going to be chaotic. At least they didn't let Brad Kozlowski pick out the format for it this time. And people are just, as Dale put it, this reminds me of the time that I tried to fly an RC airplane. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Yep, that's about what everybody's going to be like at the Bristol Dirt Race. I believe we're probably going to have like 15 guys running the late model race Saturday night next week uh, at Bristol. I have no idea how to watch it. I tried to look uh, and try to figure it out. It's on a streaming service I've never heard of, so wh I, whatever. I'll just follow along on Twitter. I'm not paying to watch to watch that. Um, and then the Cup Series is there, and then after that, Dirt will be left on Bristol for a couple weeks, and the Outlaws um, will be there as well. So, I mean, I'm excited to see it. I don't think NASCAR, I don't think Cup, or I don't think any of the three series, three touring series, does uh, should be on dirt. I don't. I think that's a bad idea. I don't think that's something that's going to produce good racing. And it sounds like this may even just be a one-year thing, which is kind of dumb. But if you're going to do it, do it in the last year of the of the Gen Six body. Uh, I guess that sort of makes sense. But this is this idea all stems from Fox wanting to do it. So this is all on Fox. If it stinks, we can all blame Fox. And if it's success, well, we're just not going to tell Fox it's success. So. Because uh, I honestly, 250 laps on a dirt track is insane. Don't know how we're going to, I do not understand how that's going to go and not get completely rubbered in. But whatever, enough of Bristol dirt. We're on to Atlanta next week. Worn out surface, bumpy, should be a good time. Double header on Saturday with the Trucks and Xfinity Series and then the Cup Series on Sunday. And then uh, after that, Atlanta will be transformed into a Supercross track to run three dates on the uh, Monster Energy Supercross Series Tour. Uh, they'll run a Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday schedule there before they head off to their uh, uh, finale out in Utah. But I believe it's the first time Atlanta's being used as a Supercross track. So that'll be super interesting. Obviously, Daytona gets used every year for Supercross in the infield there, and that's an iconic event. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be something that continues to happen at Atlanta, but you know, it's pretty cool that they're going to run three races there. And uh, hopefully they can have some fans there in the stands since it's outside and uh, put on a pretty good show. On to the Xfinity Series, though, because I got some things to say about our boy Santino Ferrucci. Uh, not our boy, the media's boy, because NBC can't stop talking about him favorably. Racer.com called his 13th place finish at home, was it Homestead or Las Vegas? Heroic. I think it was uh, Las Vegas. Heroic, which is insane. He finished 13th. How is that heroic? Uh, whatever. And now Fox is also on the Ferrucci bandwagon, and they will all, nobody will, they just all fawn over this dude. And he's literally, like we talked about last week, he's never done anything. Um, so, whatever. I'm not going to get into the, this time thing for real quick. But however, Ferrucci came on 15th this week. He, he drove in the back of Josh Berry and dumped him in the eight car, and Barry got out and gave him the double bird. Which is very short track of Josh Berry, and I love the, uh, I love the the enthusiasm behind it. So, uh, yeah, and we need we need more of that type of attitude from Josh Berry. That short track and Barry after the race said, you know, I'm not proud of my actions, but I've worked too damn hard for these 12 races to have them ruined. And he's right. Like Josh Berry is here on talent alone, and because Dale Jr. thinks that he's a good race car driver, Barry doesn't bring money. He doesn't bring a like a name on a national level that people know. On the short track level, yeah, we all know Josh Berry is a badass on the short track. We're aware of that. There's no question in that. But Berry, in a sense, I look at Josh Berry as one of those guys who 100% should be in NASCAR. 
whether that's Trucks Xfinity or Cup, doesn't matter. He should be in the series based on his talent alone. And there's a bunch of guys at the short track level that are just as talented as him that should be up here. But because they don't have the name or because they don't have a dad that owns a team or has a huge sponsor tied to him, they're never going to get the shot. Meanwhile, guys like Santuna Ferrucci, who have no business, honestly, being in NASCAR or any series just based on his attitude and his behavior, are out here ruining races for guys like Barry, who he knows he only has 12 races this year. And that's sort of like, this is his make or break. He was running top five in this race. He drove all the way up to fourth, and then um, unfortunately got a little off cycle with pit stops just because they were on a little bit of, uh, they took a different approach than other teams did. And then he gets back there with Ferrucci. Ferrucci, you know, dumps him. His race is over, and Ferrucci gets to come home with the top 15. Uh, It's just frustrating because guys like Josh Berry deserve to be in this series. They deserve to have full-time rides, and they deserve to be here on talent alone. And you guys have, like, Ferrucci here who's just here on his name and because his dad is rich. And that's, this is what we're left with. And it's frustrating. But hey, Santino Ferrucci got outran by Timmy Hill on a car along 66, JJ Yellen at Rickware 17, Bailey Curley, Mike Harmon 74, and Brandon Brown. Brandon Brown and that brand, that um, uh, that whole team, that 68 team, absolutely phenomenal. Um, what they're doing with their budget and their facility. Comes home third this week. Huge, huge run for those guys. Obviously, the end of that Xfinity race was a bit of a cluster. Jeb Burton just absolutely sent off into the corner. Like he was in a, you know, the bottom split Arca race uh, at Phoenix and just took out so many. I don't, I honestly don't know what he think was thinking. It was very, very video game-esque of Jeb, who still came home six. AJ Allmendinger rebounded for a fifth place finish. He was bad all day. Austin Sindrick, like I said, won. Ty Gibbs uh, came home second and just kind of, uh, he was a benefactor of all that nonsense there at the end with Jeb Burton and other people getting sideways. Uh, Allgaier got up into the wall, would have finished second. Obviously, if he and Sendrick didn't get... I don't even think... They didn't even touch, honestly. They were just racing for the same area, and uh, Allgaier got into the marbles and bounced off the wall there on that final restart. So, Allgaier came home eighth. Obviously, should have been second. And then uh, Brett Moffitt continues to impress in that 02 car. Still don't understand why he's not running for Xfinity points with a ninth-place finish. And uh, Jeremy Clements, 10th-place finish for he and his... Um, family team as well riley herps managed to find his way home in fourth i have no idea how that happened but shout out to riley herps finished fourth so every now and then you hang around long enough you'll find yourself in a good finish uh josh berry obviously like i said dumped uh michael annette engine expired and ograxon also had his engine let go as well so just a bad bad day for uh jrm all around we also had a dutch driver in the race loris Hesemans um, hopped in that car along number 13 car uh, he raced in the Euro Series uh, 2018 and 2019 has 5 wins over there 12 poles and uh, or 12 podiums 2 poles my bad don't want to get that all mixed up and uh, won the championship in 2019 so good on him obviously this is his first career start started 40th finished 31st 5 laps down that's not terrible when you look at the equipment that he was in so Good race all around for um, our boy Loris or Lori or Lore. I don't really know how to pronounce his name. My Dutch is rather poor these days. Dan O'Hammer came home 23rd. 
Uh, I believe he bounced off the wall as well. But overall, decent extended rates. Austin Cedric, class of the field once again, um, like he was at the end of the race last year in the fall. They are also off to Atlanta this weekend. Looking at the points, Cedric, Hemrick, Burton, Jeb Burton, that is, A.J. Allmendinger, Harrison Burton, Brandon Jones, Maya Snyder, Justin Haley, Brandon Brown, Jeremy Clemens, Justin Algar, Riley Herbst, round out your playoff field at the moment. Michael Annette, do they take 12 or 16? I believe they only take 12. Um, but whatever. Justin Allgaier right now sitting in 11th. He needs to get it together. But they're off to Phoenix next week. And uh, hopefully can have a good run. Let me go over here and look at the ARCA race. Didn't get to watch the ARCA race uh, live. I saw highlights of it. Um, Emily decided it was time to burn the Christmas tree in the fire pit. So we have that. Obviously, this is an Emily List less episode. Maybe we'll bring her back. People seem to enjoy her just innocent takes on racing and having zero idea what the hell we were talking about. And she also wanted to clarify she did not call Sheldon Creed fat or pudgy. She just called him heavier set, I think is what she said. So, regardless. Arca race, Friday night. Ty Gibbs wins at 124 of 150 laps. One by two tenths of a second because I believe there's a late race restart. Yes, there was. Sorry, I had a yawn. Busy weekend. Corey Heim came home second in the Venerini number 20 car. Apparently, the uh, Venerini haulers crashed in Texas. I believe the wind blew themselves into each other. Thad Moffitt, the king's grandson, came home third. I have no idea how the hell that happened. And uh, Kyle Sieg fourth. Derek Krause in fifth. Jesse Love, 6th. Drew Dollar, 7th. Todd Souza, 8th. Taylor Gray, ninth, And Trevor Huddleston, 10th. I believe Trevor, Trevor Huddleston was a decent talent. Taylor Gray, man. The amount of money that the Gray family has put into David Gilliland Racing this offseason, the people that they've hired, and the fact that they're a Ford factory team, and all these other things, that dude needs to start running better than ninth in an ARCA race. That's bad. That's really bad. For the equipment that he's in, he should be running up there top three every single weekend. But instead, here he is, not doing anything. Um, there was a literally a wreck on lap one. The hell happened? That was a 13-lap caution. I need to go back and look at this. That took out... Damn. Took out Tony Bredinger? Bredinger? I'm not really sure. I whatever she's her own thing but just move on from that uh jack wood and the gms 21 who's actually pretty decent uh he got caught up in it zane smith obviously we know who zane is good driver caught up in it gracie trotter caught up in it bad bad start to that race for those boys um brad smith shout out brad smith came home 26 not the last this time uh takuma koga our boy uh, obviously i probably probably hasn't been able to fly back to japan for a while or if he is like this dude's flying international in a pandemic just to make arca west series starts love the commitment uh in that number seven car uh, what an interesting case he is and nick sanchez who was running pretty well early in the race and he says he got dumped 
Other people say he got he chopped. Who knows? Um, I got hair in my mouth. Uh, but overall, Arca Race, I don't know if it was good or not. I'm just re- literally reading you the rundown because I haven't seen a ton of it. Arca, though, is off, I believe, until Talladega? Yeah, Talladega. April or yeah, April 24th. They, man, they got a month and two weeks off. What are they going to do? Sit around and do nothing? That sucks. The General Tire 200, I don't even think this ARCA race is going to be that good at Talladega because the car count is just so poor in terms of people that are competitive and people that aren't. They're out to Kansas after that. Toledo, Charlotte, Mid-Ohio, Pocono, Elko, Berlin, Iowa, and Winchester rounds out all the way through July. Might have to go out there for Winchester. The Winchester 200, get the boys back together. But we will definitely be at Salem in the fall on uh, Saturday, October 2nd for the Salem. I believe that's the night race. Because that's on Saturday, right? Let me look through my month calendar here. Oh, it is. Yep, definitely the night race. Fall Classic 200. Cannot wait to get back to the famed high banks of Salem Speedway. Uh, been a while. Obviously, we didn't go last year because all of those races got canceled. But... Oh, we can talk a little F1 testing. Mercedes stinks. Put it on the headstone. Mer- what was that? Oh, got an ad playing on Racing Reference. Whew, scared the shit out of me. Um, Mercedes is bad. Apparently, they're just terrible now. They're second off the pace of the Red Bulls. Uh, Max Verstappen put in the fastest time. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda in the uh, Alpha Tauri put in the second fastest time. Pretty interesting. The McLaren looked pretty stout. And... Um, yeah, it just Ferrari said that they made up their their lack of straight line speed that they had last year. They ran a race practice race uh, simulation today, and they could not run away from the Alfa Romeo. So they may, depending on how Bahrain goes in two weeks' time, if it's bad, they might as well just turn all their attention to that 2022 car because there is no sense in them wasting time on this model this uh, series of regs when they're just going to go away. But it was interesting to see Mercedes look human. They look mortal. I'll say that. They had gearbox issues. They spun. They seem to have handling issues. Like, they are, Mercedes loves to talk about how, how difficult it is for their car to run because it's fickle. And I've heard both Botas and Hamilton say that on a number of occasions that, like, this car has to be perfectly dialed in for it to perform its best. And obviously you can say that about all cars. But that car, even in just a little bit of dirty air, is generally garbage. So it's interesting to see. It will be interesting to see when we get back to to Bahrain in two weeks' time if they have improved and if they figured it out on the car. They also didn't do a shakedown like every other team did before they got to Bahrain, which I found interesting. But they are doing filming days at Bahrain this week. This upcoming week. Um, so maybe that'll help them out. But overall, uh, I, it's only three days of testing. It's so hard. And, you know, Friday was interrupted by a fucking sandstorm. There's sand everywhere. It just, I don't know. I never put a lot of credence into testing. Because Ferrari will go out there and run their fastest times and then come out banging their chest. And all of Italy thinks that they're back. And once again, they get smoked by Mercedes. So, I don't think Mercedes is sandbagging to the extent of the fat to a second off of Red Bull, but I do think Red Bull has certainly caught up. And I think we saw that at the end of the season last year, specifically at Abu Dhabi where they couldn't even catch Max. So 
I don't know. Red Bull potentially has delivered Max a championship-winning caliber car, uh, but he will have to deal with Sergio uh, Perez at some point this season, who will be banging on the door for wins once again. But yeah, all right. I think that's it for me this week. Uh, We have all three series in Atlanta this upcoming weekend. I got to check the IndyCar schedule here because I believe we are two weeks out. I just want to double check. No, God, I forgot. We moved it back to it's April now. We're so we're so a month out of the IndyCar season start. Holy shit, you guys! Um, we go to Saint or we go to we go to Birmingham and then we go Barber, which is in Birmingham, Alabama. Then we go to Saint Pete uh, the week after, and then uh, week after that, we're in Texas for a doubleheader. Um, and then the Indy GP, and then the Indy 500. All those races, I believe, are allowed to have fans, too. So excited to see it and uh, get back into the IndyCar swing of things. You can follow myself on Twitter at BreakHard underscore. Follow Zach at ZachMiles2. We are a new podcast home now. Obviously, uh, the old podcast, uh, the former host of it, Garbage. We have a new host now anchor.fm and yeah we'll be updating this feed from now on so like and subscribe to this one leave a review if you want to if not don't i prefer if you didn't say bad things clearly but we'll be back next week talk everything that happened atlanta whatever's going to happen in the world of f1 over the week and um maybe a little supercross talk who knows add a little content to this that's to this, but it's been 34 minutes and I will see you guys next week.